This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to this special Saturday edition of Coffee House Shots. I'm James Heal and I'm joined today by two of our regular columnists, Ian McWhirter and John Ferry. Now I should say at the outset that today is the Spectator Readers Summer Tea Party, so there might be a bit of a hubbub in the background here when I'm talking to these two gentlemen. But the topic of today's discussion is Tumza Yusuf's first 100 days in office, which was marked on Friday. Uh, John, first of all, how do you think the first 100 days have gone? So I think the first 100 days... Overall, no one's going to look at it and, and view it as being successful for Hamza Yusuf. Um, but then, when you look at why that is, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily think that you can, you can. It's necessarily anything to do with what Hamza has or hasn't done himself. I think there are structural circumstances around his position just now in the position of his party, which meant that it was inevitable that his first hundred days were going to be pretty much disastrous. And there's probably two elements to that. One is the poison chalice that he inherited from um, the party with police investigations and so on, um, that, you know, that was never going to play out particularly well for whoever came second, it, it came in as leader at this point, whether that was Kate Forbes or, or Hamza or, or, or someone else. Um, and then the other reason is there's a, a probably a bigger um, structural change happening, which is the waning of populism in Scotland, the waning of national nationalist populism. Um, which I think is, there's a general feeling that it's somewhat run its course now, at least for now. And there's not really much purchase that it can have anymore. It's kind of played out. It played all its cards. And it's played the kind of national identity culture war cards as much as it can and, and, and others. And it's it's just difficult, I think, for him to get purchased where previous leaders would have been able to get purchased through using grievance, for instance, cranking up the famous SNP grievance machine. It's just not quite as effective as it used to be. So I think there's, there's structural reasons around why it was always going to be really difficult for him. Um, and we're seeing that in, in, in polling now and in his personal popularity polling, both, both of which have, have gone down over the last, last 100 days. Um, he's, he's not a popular leader. It's being reflected in the polls. Um, and that means that his strategy really for the next year, year and a half is going to be minimising losses to Labour at the next general election. That's really the SNP's strategy for now. It's nothing to do with winning independence or winning a referendum or anything, anything like that. It's really just minimising losses to Labour and therefore trying to keep the party as strong as possible in relative terms. Ian, do you agree with that? Is that really Humza Yusuf's mission, just damage limitation? Well, there's been a lot of damage to limit, as we said. I mean, uh, I can't think of any worse circumstances for a political leader to be taking over than this extraordinary criminal investigation, which has led to the resignations and the departures of Parches of large numbers of the SNP hierarchy. I mean, that you know, he, he, it was a very contested election, as you probably recall. He only got in by a whisker, whisker against uh, Kate Forbes, despite having the entire weight of the SNP and Scottish government machine essentially rooting for him. And then, um, you know, when, when he gave his first speech to Holyrood as first minister, it was upstaged by, well, the arrest of. Uh, the party chief executive or former chief executive, Peter Murrell, husband of Nicola Sturgeon. And of course, you had on that same day, the police erecting the forensics tent outside her Addington home. And from there on, it's just been one constant uh, 
uh, scene of chaos. I mean, you know, he barely recovered from that three weeks later when, of course, Colin Beatty was um, the party treasurer was arrested. That's when when uh, Hamza came out with his most famous line, which is, "I'm always surprised when members of my government are elected are, are arrested." So it's it's been a very bad time for him. Clearly, um, it would have been for any uh, leader uh, taking over in these circumstances. However, I I do think that he has contributed to his own misfortune in many respects, um, partly because we just don't know what he stands for. He's cancelled or uh, postponed or shelved most of the legislation uh, and measures he inherited from his predecessor. The deposit return scheme was returned to sender. Um, he's abandoned the, the highly protected marine areas uh, legislation, which was going to make 10% of Scottish waters um, out of bounds for fishers, fishermen. He's, he's, he's cancelled the plans to uh, introduce a ban on alcohol advertising. He's shelved, perhaps indefinitely, his £1 billion um, national care uh, uh, service. But at the same time, he's done all that, but he keeps saying, well, yeah, no, I, I still support all these policies. It's just for various reasons I can't implement them. Usually it's blaming Westminster, of course, and saying that, that because of Westminster, he can't get his gender recognition reform bill through uh, uh, onto the statute books, even though it's immensely unpopular in Scotland. Same with the deposit return scheme. He said it was Westminster interfer- interference. And because he's he's been uh, so passive in that sense, a sort of passive victim of events, you don't really know if he has any uh, particular centre of ideological gravity, apart from being broadly interested um, in independence. Though, again... I mean, this is where he's really come, I think, majorly unstuck over his pathway to independence because he made a big deal of cancelling Nicola Sturgeon's absurd idea of turning the next general election into a, a de facto referendum. But he's replaced it with an even worse idea, which is you turn every election into a referendum. And moreover, you would start building, as he puts it, laying the foundations of an independent state if he wins uh, the next general election, by which he means getting a majority of seats, not a majority of votes, as was the case of Nicholas Sturgeon, just a majority of seats. Now, nobody takes that seriously in the party. It's a ludicrous proposition, and I think it's fatally undermined him. I mean, John, is that a fair summation of where Humza Yusuf is on independence? I mean, to what extent did this actually make a represent a break with the past on Nicola Sturgeon's previous policy? And are there any signs in the polls that this is going to have any different effect on the SNP's chances next time? I think the, the, one of the problems for, for Hamza is that he's, on a minute-to-minute basis, he seems to be quite tactical in what he says about um, independence. And then he ends up contradicting himself almost on a daily on a daily basis, so depending on which audience he's talking to. So to talk about um, when he was on the build-up to him becoming First Minister and being elected, he um, he talked about needing to get to maybe a, a, a solid and strong majority for independence in the polls before it would become uh, before it would get put back on the table again and become viable. Um, but then he would immediately contradict that by saying, we have a mandate for another independence referendum from the people when it must happen. Um, and and, and we, we have to put this question back right now. So he, he seems to be kind of, he is all over the place on this. Um, Ian's, Ian's entirely correct that what, what he has come out with is is no one's really taking it seriously. He's kind of just ticking those boxes for his party members, really. Uh, and no, and and I don't think they even believe even the hardcore members. I don't think they they really believe it. Um, but it's all about just searching and purchasing, looking for some kind of way, 
to to maintain the popularity of the party when it's when it's on the wane for structural reasons that, that are, are largely out of his control and um and 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 he's he's just really struggling to find some way to remain popular which would then keep him personally popular as well but he's but he's he's failing through it um there's another aspect that to slightly contradict what i said at the start there are some things about Hamza which are, are different from before. It's not just structural reasons as to why he's um, uh, becoming, uh, he's, he's having such a tough 100 first days. He, he as, a, as a first minister, doesn't cut the mustard in the way previous first ministers have. He's probably the weakest overall first minister um, intellectually and in, in, in other ways um, since maybe Henry McLeish, I guess, uh, back in, in the 2000s. So in, in that scene in some of these contradictions in, in his communication where he he doesn't seem to understand the contradictions that he's putting forward. Um, so he can think from a sort of minute-to-minute basis without seeing the bigger picture. Um, and and when you compare him to Salmond or Sturgeon, he's you know he's he's he comes across as being a bit of a V team kind of leader, really. I think that's a really interesting point about tactics versus strategy there. And Ian, I think earlier you were talking about the um, dropping the highly protected maritime areas uh, as, an, as an issue, as a policy. Well, one of the reasons for that, of course, was that Kate Forbes and Fergus Ewing led a rebellion on that. Was there perhaps a sense that, OK, we can talk about the arrests, we can talk about Humza being a prisoner of events from others' making, but is there a sense perhaps that with things like his cabinet, he could have chosen people to bring in from the other bits of the party? Um, has he chosen the wrong things to prioritise in terms of his strategy? How much of this is really his own making here? Well, the one area in which um, Hamza Youssef has been consistent throughout his short tenure has been in his determination to maintain and promote the alliance with the Scottish Green Party. As you probably know, they are in a formal partnership, a kind of coalition with the Scottish Greens, um, and they agreed an agenda of policies um, in the Butte House Agreement, or Nicola Sturgeon did two years ago, which included uh, measures like the highly protected marine areas, which uh, has come to grief. I mean, it, it, is, it is ironic, as I say, that um, he is, uh, you know, he has abandoned most of these policies because the deposit return scheme was being led by the Green Minister, Lorna Slater. Um, and that, that was just in, in chaos long, long before they, in fact, even applied for exemption to the Single Market Act. It was in, a, in, a, in serious difficulties, mainly because there was a boycott of small 4,000 small businesses in Scotland who, who realised it was going to be ruinously expensive and probably drive them out of business. Uh, and it, and it, it was, you know, the idea of recycling is very popular, but the practice practice of it wasn't. So he, he is. That's what I think why he's been forced to, <laughs> as, at the same time as abandoning these policies, insisting that he still supports them, because he is uh, determined to maintain the coalition with the Green Party, which he believes, or his, his, certainly his predecessor believed, would be necessary to establish that they have an unequivocal um, uh, majority for independence in the Scottish Parliament. One, James, sorry, sorry, Ian, uh, just one thing that springs to mind there, Ian, um, is that one interesting development that's happened in, in this first 100 days is Hamza's appointment of Kevin Pringle as his um, uh, new chief of staff, I think, and, and um, uh, kind of uh, key spad. Um, and Kevin Pringle was anti-Green Party coalition from, from what I can and see. Um, certainly from some of the things that he wrote as a columnist before he got given this appointment, uh, he, he's, he seems to be against the Green Coalition. So it'll be interesting to see if that tension 
becomes a tension in terms of the relationship between him and his, his, his new boss, and whether Hamza's hard hard position on keeping the Greens remains stays in place, or whether um, in, all, in, in the interests of, of SNP solidarity, some of Kevin Pringle's thinking comes into play, and maybe that relationship changes with the Greens. Well, I don't. I don't think he's going. To, Kevin Pringle's necessarily going to uh, try to un, unwind the uh, alliance with the Greens, but he certainly should. What he should say is uh, the first thing that uh, that uh, Kevin Pringle should advise Hans Hughes to do is to abandon the gender recognition reform uh, bill, or rather, um, his legal uh, opposition to the the veto on that bill, which was imposed by uh, Westminster in January under. Uh, uh, Section 35 of the Scotland Act, on the grounds that the gender recognition, you know, you know understand this, probably are familiar with this bill. It introduces self-ID for transgender people, um, which means people can change their legal sex simply by declaration after three months without having to go through any medical diagnosis of gender dysphoria. Um, this was very much Nicola Sturgeon's policy, a flagship policy of hers. She drove it very hard. It ended up contributing greatly to her decision, in fact, to stand down because we had this extraordinary scandal of a double rapist being placed in a woman's prison uh, on remand on the grounds that this, this person has self-ID'd as, as a woman, even though he was a, he, he, he had, he was a man, obviously. And, and she was forced to put him into, to, forced to override Prison Scotland's decision here and, and place him in, in a male estate. Uh, but it's at the same time couldn't admit that he he was a man and and that she still tried to persevere with the fiction that he was uh, uh, genuinely a woman. That's because the prison service had been anticipating the gender recognition reform uh, bill and had implemented it in in their estate. So I, you know to, that's shot through with problems. It's it's very unpopular. He should abandon it. But the reason he isn't is because this is what the Greens say is their green red line. Uh, Patrick Harvey, the uh, leader of the Scottish Green Party, says that if, if they abandon the Gender Recon- Recognition Act, he will walk. He will take his um, his party out of the coalition. Uh, but I mean, there's a lot of people who think that would be a very good thing and that for too long the green tail has been wagging the yellow dog. And as a final question to both of you, I just wondered, you know, had the first 100 days, um, in the next 100 days, as Ian sort of alludes to, we've got that court case coming up in September on the GRR bill. Um, what was going to change? Is it going to get better for Humza Yusuf? Is it going to get worse for Humza Yusuf? You've had all the arrests and everything that was going on with that. But in terms of policy, is there a way of getting his government back on track after all the distractions and upsets? Or really, is it going to be a case of just things get worse up until Election Day? Well, I think, I, I, you know, it's very difficult because the SNP is losing support. I mean, it hasn't, they, they keep saying that it hasn't really lost all that much um, during Hims Yusuf's tenure. Um, this is the SNP's opinion poll standing. But of course, it took a bump of about 8 to 10% drop um, during the, the leadership uh, campaign following Nicola Sturgeon's resignation. So the SNP is in a bad way. Um, the opinion polls suggest that the SNP is on, on route to lose probably half of its MPs at the next general election. Um, it may not be as many as that, but even a, a substantial number would be a, a, a significant blow for him. Some, some opinion polls have suggested that Labour could, in fact, win the next general election. They could get more seats than the Scottish Tories. And it is worth remembering here that, that um, 
the SNP's electoral dominance is remarkably recent. I mean, as recently as 2010, Labour had 41 seats in the 2010 general election in Scotland against the SNP six. So there is a there is a kind of history here. It's, you know, voting Labour is in the Scottish DNA, and when it comes to the next general election, it's going to be very difficult to motivate people to vote for the SNP for obvious reasons. Nicola Sturgeon in the past always said, well, we need independence because Scots never get to, to, to vote for the government they want to see at Westminster. They're always ruled by, by Tories they didn't vote for. Well, this time they have a chance to vote for Labour um, to get the Tories out. And I think very many of, uh, of the SNP's uh, voters will choose to do that. So from Humza Yusuf's point of view, this is a very, very difficult uh, situation for him. A lot already, a lot of people are suggesting he might be here today, gone tomorrow, first minister, that he'll only survive as long as that. And then there will be another, uh, after the general election, it'll be an opportunity to, to sideline him and move somebody else in, perhaps uh, perhaps um, Kate Forbes, who uh, ran him very close last time. But uh, so I, I, it's going to be very difficult for him to, to legislate his way out of that. It's a, a very awkward situation. And, um, you know, nothing he's done so far gives the indication that he has the grip or the imagination or the wit, frankly, to be able to command events. So just to, to answer the question directly, I can't envisage any policy development that Hamza could latch on to in coming months that will deliver him belatedly a honeymoon period. Um, I, I, just, I just can't see... In, in any area of social or other areas that he could that he could come up with something that's suddenly going to make him um, him and his party popular again and reverse these trends that we've that we've been talking about. If you look at the latest surveyation polling for Westminster, uh, they've got the SNP on thirty seven percent of the Scottish vote, Labour on thirty four percent, and the Tories on seventeen, and Lib Dems on nine percent. So Labour are, are snapping at um, at the SNP's heels across Scotland, but actually when you look, when you break it down into the areas where Labour tend to be dominant, like Gla- uh, traditionally dominant before the SNP knocked them off the perch, um, Glasgow, they, they, they may well decimate the SNP across places like that um, uh, in Glasgow. So the coming months uh, across Britain is increasingly going to, to focus on the upcoming general election. That will play out in to Scottish politics, as our, our politics becomes more UK-focused, that's never good for the SNP. And the only thing I think that Hamza will try to do is try to play the old populist uh, playbook tactics that the SNP have used over the years of looking for a grievance, trying to leverage that, um, maybe trying to play up on the kind of national identity culture war, which the SNP has always used over the years. But I don't think it's going, going, it's going to deliver for him. Um, unfortunately, I... Well, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your point of view, I think for, for Hamza, the, the only thing that's going to happen in coming months is his popularity and the popularity of his party is going to be eaten away gradually as we go through towards the next general election. And then from there, who knows what's, what the future is for him. But um, I, I, I can't see him being a 10-year First Minister at all. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, John. And thank you for listening to Coffee House Shots.